It's the success line. This is the place where achievers come to get advice on how to solve business problems and unlock their true potential. Every week, a new listener of the show sits down with success coaching director Ben Fairfield to talk through a roadblock and learn a lesson. Now here he is, Ben Fairfield. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Success Line. Your host, Ben Fairfield. And we've got a special episode today, something a little bit different, uh, as I welcome a good friend and experienced coach, Mr. Todd Foster. Todd, how the heck are you? I'm great, Ben. Thanks for inviting me to the show. And I need to have you clarify something there you just said. Is it a little different or am I a little different? Both. And I think everyone listening is going to figure that out very quickly. No, but I'm so glad you're here. This is different than what we usually do. Usually, as you know, we have people come on that have a specific topic that they want coaching around and we walk through it together. Uh, Today, uh, you were gracious enough a while back to agree to be on the show because uh, I think we have an opportunity to to really help those who are listening to the show, who are looking for coaching, to really learn and identify how can they best be coachable, how do they get the most out of coaching, and how to really leverage those conversations, whether it's here on this show or with their own coach one-on-one. So before we get there, Todd, uh, give us uh, give us your brief bio. Who is Todd Foster? Well, my name is Todd Foster. How far back do you may go? I was born not quite to second grade. Okay, awesome. Because I barely made it past that grade. <laughs> so I am Todd Foster. I have been in the real estate business since 2003. I have also, uh, in those years in real estate, been a franchise owner, title company owner, team owner. I've been a manager. I've been the operations director. You name it, I've done all of those things. And I've also owned a couple of businesses that, done, that have done pretty well in the past. And I'm building businesses as we speak. I'm a coach consultant, been doing that for the last uh, nine years. And my specialty is helping people unscrew their screw ups. <laughs> That's a good tagline. I like that. All right. So, so you, uh, you tried to breeze over this quickly and you don't have to give details, uh, but you didn't just do pretty well with some businesses. You had one in particular, again, you don't have to give any detail if you don't want to, but one in particular that you actually sold to a large organization. So it's not like you've had a little bit of success. Like you've, you've taken a company and sold that company to a name everybody in the world knows. So, so let's put modesty in our pockets here. That's why you're, you're on the show because you've actually lived it. So many coaches, and I'm sure you've seen this too. So many coaches get into the coaching business. The old adage, if you don't know it, then you teach, right? Or you can't do it, then you teach. Uh, I respect people who are coaches who actually have done it because there's there's a validity there. There's something that, that they're bringing to the table more than just theory. We can all go read a book. It's quite another thing to actually hear from someone that's that's learned both from the good things and more importantly, from the bad things. Now, I trust you've, you've made a few mistakes. Just a few. And that's the crazy thing about it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Let me give you an example. I have screwed up so many times and I've probably screwed up four or five times in the last hour. And for some reason, I'm a slow learner. Anyone out there ever said, okay, I'm never going to do that again. And then you do it again. Well, I'm the guy who does like 14, 15 times. And it really comes down to consistency and also knowing what your desired outcome really is. So when I'm really in the business mindset, which is about 95% of the time, I'm always looking for the, the goal, the finish line. I also know that I'm a slow runner. I mean, and I'm, I'm not very good at doing the hurdles. I'm not very good at jumping things. I'm not very coordinated. So I've discovered that if I'm not the person to do it, I have to leverage it off to someone else. And that's where I've made many mistakes in the past. I was a control freak. 
I was like, if I can do it, only person can do it was me. I can make the best postcards. I can make the best voicemail recording. It will take me 16 hours to do it. I'll never use it. Yet the reason why I am to where I am today, it's because I discovered the power of leverage as well as understanding that I don't need to be great at most things. I just need to be great at a couple of things and then really focus on those couple of things that I'm pretty great at. Oh, and that's, that's key. So you and I, we, we've taught a lot together. We've talked about this for, you know, in lots of different situations, but it's the whole debate. Do you, do you put time and effort and energy into shoring up your weaknesses or do you put that same time, energy and effort uh, into the areas of your strength? And, and we're both of the same mind. And I think most people who have lived life longer than a, you know, a hot second would say that it makes way more sense to leverage your time and energy and effort into areas of strength. Because even if you raise your competency in your areas of weakness you're still only raising them to being okay or mediocre. You're, you're never going to excel likely in a lot of those areas. Whereas if you take the same energy and effort, put it into your strengths, and then what you just said, find those missing people around you that are good at what you're not good at. Now together, everybody can achieve a lot more. I think that's a key point that, again, I was, I've had the same challenges too. We, we want to try to hold on to everything and do everything our way. And, and that's a, points to, I want to get your take on this, the difference between a manager and a leader. Because there's a big difference, right? And we've, we've talked about this recently in, in some conversations and training, uh, but there's a massive difference between a manager and leader. Let's talk there for a second because it goes in line with this. Well, the scary thing, and there's many managers out there who think they're leaders. And the difference between a leader and a manager is a manager tells and a leader pretty much asks or they're told by who's working with them what they're going to do. And so if you lead by example, which is a big thing nowadays, right? Uh, we are everywhere. You think about people watching us. It's not back, you know, 20 years ago, and you were probably three back then, Ben, yet we didn't, <laughs> we didn't have the social media thing. We didn't have the cameras in every corner. We didn't have our phones telling us where we are and letting everyone else know where we are. And so you always have to be on. And true leaders out there understand that they are always being watched. It doesn't matter what you're doing, you're being watched. And more importantly, there's probably a pretty good percentage of people out there waiting for you to screw up. Mm. And so when you're leading, you must be able to focus on the people that are with you. Also the ones that are watching what you're doing and you're leading by example, a manager, man, have you ever had a bad manager before where you walk in? I know I've had many, and I probably was this guy at one point because of the control back in the day. I was considered a leader on mind. I was a CEO, which apparently is a title that you can give to anyone nowadays. <laughs> and I was a control. Yeah. And yet the control, what happened was I was micromanaging to the smallest detail where the people that were working with me at the time, they weren't working with me. In my mind, they were working for me. Mm -hmm. And for me is a little different than with me. And I used to be on these people so much about, you can do better. You need to do this way. You need to do this way. Oh, you know what? Forget about it. I'll do it myself. And that's where the management and leadership styles of people completely change. We can all be managers. Leadership's a skill. Hmm. Leadership is, as you said earlier, talking to smarter people than you are, reading books, educating yourself, understanding that you must be okay with leading. It's okay to be a manager. Yeah, if you're going to call yourself a leader, you must understand the undertaking of what it comes with. You give up a lot of freedom. Yeah, 
Well, and hundred percent you do. And uh, it reminds me like, so November, you and I um, flew to Vegas and we actually spoke on this in front of a group. And we talked about specifically how to lead the younger generations, right? And I'm not talking about like teeny boppers. I'm talking about the out, like the, the person that is like three or four years into the workforce right now, like they don't respond well to management. They respond really well to the leadership. And there's a big difference there, and you've pointed out some of those, but it's really, really important as we're having this conversation to, to keep that in mind that, that it's, not a, it's not a matter of which one do you prefer. Like, if you want to be effective and have an impact and have a following, you have to work on your leadership skill. You have to build that muscle because management, uh, the, the management approach or the management tactic is not going to get you a following. Maxwell said it years ago in a training. He said the, the, most, the most disappointing thing in the world, the biggest crisis in, in business is when you have people who think they're leaders and they look behind them and no one's following them, right? And there's like, to your point, there's a lot of people out there who are like that. There are. And unfortunately, until people realize that they are not leaders, we're going to have more and more businesses fail. We're going to have more relationships fall apart. We're going to have more financial crisis involving business and personal issues. Leadership is such an important thing. Yet we also talk about in that course that we spoke about in, in Las Vegas, that the reason why we do things the way we do them, it's because we were trained at a young age. You had the assembly lines, you had the school, the bell rung, you were told when to get up, when to leave. And if you look at major corporations out there now that are really, really doing well, they're getting away from the management style completely. And it's almost just not a leader on top, you know, the president or the CEO. They're letting every person there also become the leader within themselves. There's a company out there I was reading about last week that stated that they've actually flipped the entire management and leadership style around where it's almost going to the place where now people hold themselves accountable to do their own jobs. Mm. And they're having their friends and their coworkers also hold them accountable to that as well. Now it's a huge risk. It can either go really, really well while people are actually doing what they said they do, or it's going to go the other way where maybe there needs to be more leadership there. In order to keep people coming to work, you have to give them some freedom, flexibility, and be able to think on their own, especially for what you're hired to do. Yeah. Well, and I think you're you're dead on there. And I think one of the things that you and I are proponents of, we're both certified in the DISC assessment and the motives report where we've been trained under Dr. Michael Abelson. Uh, one of the things we know is, is one of the best ways to hedge your bets against failure or against it going really bad when you give more autonomy to people and you allow them, you, you lead them versus manage them. It starts with picking the right people and no one gets it 100% right. But, but there are ways that you can be more strategic and more purposeful about selecting people. So, so let's talk about that. Cause I know people listening here have businesses like we literally last week that's going to be airing next in a couple of weeks. Uh, we interviewed somebody that, that was from Ukraine. We've talked to people in Greece and in the United States and all over the world. So people listen to this from all over the place. The thing they have in common though, is they all are entrepreneurs and they all have businesses, right? And so that means they're going to bump into working with other people. So I think this is extremely practical. Let's talk about like, how can we more strategically identify the right people doesn't mean the others are wrong or bad, but how do we identify the right people for right now in our organizations? Well, and you said the key word, it's the disc. Now, are, every, is every disc equal? Absolutely not. Uh, if they're free, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Yet there's also a disc out there that uh, we just say, okay, I'm a D-I-S-C-E. This is who I am. Yeah, with Dr. Abelson's reports with the abelsongroup.net, you will discover that there's a lot more than just the DISC. You brought up the motivators and the behaviors. 
and exactly what makes us do what we choose to do. And so when you're looking at talent, I've made the mistake in the past. You probably made the mistake in the past. Actually, we could be together in this where you decide to work with someone because you like them. Yeah. Or they're a lot like you. And you realize, holy cow, well, the reason I like them is because they're just like me. Yet I also am not so great at things I thought they would be great at. And one way to really filter that out is get the emotions out of it. And number two, really do a behavioral analysis on them, such as the disc. And then once you have the disc done, really focus on it and understanding and asking questions because is it always right? No. Is it pretty darn close? It can be once you validate it and find out what's going on. I mean, I could more likely ace any interview out there, okay? I could tell you whatever you wanted to hear, yet I could never imagine the destruction and the damage I could do if I was hired as an accountant, okay? Sure, I can type some numbers in, yet my behavioral style is not details. And so if you're doing a job out there, you hire someone to do a job where you like them because, oh, he's a nice guy, he's fun, or she's fun, we'll get along really well. If they're not the person for that job, it's going to cost you a lot more money over the long run than it is to actually not hire that first that person in the first place. Yeah. Well, and I think the the reason I believe in, in coaching people, the, and I'm tell me if you heard, heard the same thing, but the reason I hear oftentimes from people when they push back against this whole leadership um, process versus management, because obviously we know that leadership and growing in that, it requires intention, it requires time, it requires uh, investment, it requires a lot of things of that leader. However, like Maxwell talked about, the the leadership uh, lid, if you will, the, the capacity at which a leader of an organization has the ability to lead will will hold back the entire organization or team or work group. And so in order to stay out of the way and provide lots of runway and keep this thing growing, the leader always has to be staying ahead of the people and always has to be growing and learning and honing in that skill set uh, because with leadership comes accountability and responsibility, right? So if we make a bad hire, that's our, that's our issue. That's our problem. And that's, that's on us. We can't put the buck on somebody else. The buck stops here. And one of the things that you and I've been taught about at a different company for years was that we should be slow to hire and quick to fire, right? So a lot of times I've seen clients want to hire a person and it's out of desperation. They're burned out. They're doing all the jobs. They finally realize they need somebody. And now it's like, how fast can I get someone into this role? Cause I don't want to do this part anymore. And the, the, most interesting conversations I've had with clients is when I tell them they're not allowed to move quick, right? Because moving quick, we might make the wrong decision. We need to be slow to hire. Let's talk about that. Like, what does that, that thought process look like? Well, many times the reason why we decide to hire quickly, it's because we feel like that's the magic pill that we're looking for. And so you're almost in the urgency of, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And if you think back to the trouble issue, it probably started more than a day ago. Sure, someone can quit. Yeah, you should always have a bench. And so when you're looking to talent for talent in themselves, a prime example, I have a, a client who has a company and he's been growing it really well. I mean, the guy's doing really, really, really well. He's also really, really comfy. In other words, every day is Groundhog Day, which with his behavioral style is awesome for him. He actually loves the Groundhog Day every day, every day. He's also realized that he would like to grow his business double, triple what it is right now. So I had him actually give the disc assessment to his entire office from the staff to the leadership. And what he discovered were a couple of things. Number one, 
when you're looking at Dr. Abelson's uh, chart, he breaks it down to where people are on a scale and then where they are in terms of their job. And he has four huge holes in his entire business. And those are all because of the fact that he has either the wrong people or no people in the positions that they should be in. He's also self-discovered that he may not actually be the leader that he thought he was. He's more the manager and he's okay with being the manager. Yet now he's also said, okay, if I don't want to really lead, I've got to find someone to do it for me. So it was crazy how this two-hour assessment that we had opened up so many doors and opened his eyes up to showing him, hey, I'm doing really great. I can do better if I focus on what I'm missing. And once again, he's focused on his weaknesses quite a bit in the past. And he's also now discovered, he's a great guy saying, I'm not the guy to lead this to where I desire it to be in 2022, 2023, and on. That's awesome. And I've got a story similar to that. <clears throat> I'll give you an example. So you and I both came from a company that was very much uh, focused on models, which is not bad. That's a good thing. Um, however, it can become a bad thing if it's taken too literally, right? So a model is simply a suggestion. It's a best practice. It's uh, it's like a roadmap, if you will. It doesn't mean there are not other paths to get there, but it is, it's the suggested pathway. And so I, I had an agent who uh, was by himself uh, with, with one assistant, wanted to grow a team, and he took an assessment, not the disc, but he took a different assessment at the time, uh, and the results came back and it said he was a low fit, a low fit for a person that builds a big real estate team. And so in that second, he took that as negative feedback. He took that as limiting his possibility of, of building a team. And the beautiful thing about that process was I got to go back to him and say, this doesn't say you can't do it. It just says you're going to have to find a different way to do it. And so what we did is we used the DISC assessment, very specifically the DISC assessment, to find out, okay, if this is his natural behavior, and, and for a team owner, they, they wanted by the model to see someone who was more aggressive, more assertive, um, and, and he wasn't. He was a super high eye on the DISC. He was a very social butterfly. He didn't have a lot of, of that kind of drive. And so we looked at who he was, and then we compared that to who the model said they, that that person needed to be, and we created what we call a missing persons report. And then we went out and found that person. Now, fast forward a number of years, it's one of the largest teams in our market area and one of the largest in the region for that company. And that person almost didn't move forward because they got the results. And they, in that moment, they interpreted it to mean that they couldn't do it. I just want to make sure I bring that up because the reports don't say whether we can or can't do anything. No assessment can tell you whether you're going to be successful or not, but it will tell you how you need to move forward in order to have the best likelihood of success. Correct. And then for those in management leadership, many of us, uh, include myself in the past, we were there for the title only. We were able to say, okay, I'm the CEO of blank and blank. And when you really focus on it, the ego can also prevent you from even doing behavioral analysis in the first place because you have the fear of being exposed, not just for yourself. Yeah, what if you have an entire organization out there where you think it's going really, really smooth, yet you also don't ask for feedback ever? Now, of course, everyone's talking between each other about their unhappiness with the company, yet they're not telling you. And instead, what you do is you just keep the blinders on thinking everything's great and my ego, my name, my brand, my recognition will keep us moving forward. And so in order for this to work as a leader, manager, whatever it is, you must be okay also with your ego saying, my ego may be hurt just a little bit. 
I may not be as perfect as I think I am. And a prime example with you in that story you told about the lowest portion, right? About not being a great team builder and a team leader there. Yet, if you also looked at the chart, which I'm very familiar with the, the assessment you had, there are probably things that also were tied to exactly what he's doing now mm-hmm. that were further farther up the chart, just labeled differently. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it, it's the assessments are, are very useful. It starts with identifying who who is it that you need, which behavior, which person is your organization missing, and then you'll use the assessments to go find that person. I, I love using assessments in, in the, the sense that it prevents me from making, as you, to your point earlier, an emotional hire or a hire because I like a person. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to hire them if their assessment doesn't come back correctly, but it might mean I hire them for a different role or I look at different path for that person. But it really helps me to make sure I'm hiring based on behavior and who the person is at work. I can have a beer with them or have a pizza with them on the weekend without having to hire them in the role. Because if I hire the, the, the right person for the wrong role, I'm setting both of us up for failure. And so making sure as the leader that I'm taking my time and I'm going through the process correctly to ensure that the needs of the organization and the strengths of the individual I'm talking with are in alignment uh, is serving everybody, company, myself, and that person at the highest level. Absolutely. And knowing who you need in that position and what they are going to do and what their focus is going to be on. And also understanding that they may overlap with other positions out there. There's a reason why. And so when you are hiring a specific example, let's say I'm an outbound call person. There's more to it than just picking the phone up and dialing the phone and talking. There's reports, there's analysis, there's spreadsheets, Will that person be doing all that as well? Or will that be given to someone else? Or could they share those duties where I make the outbound phone calls, three or four other people do the reports. This is where it's really important. And I love that you brought models. Many of us have seen a model that works and we still decide, well, I'm going to change it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the models out there and you see the models and how they are, and they're pretty simple. If you look at most models out there, they're the same thing. If you, I mean, there's, there's there's a streamlined process and it goes down to, okay, this is going to work if I do it during this time. This will work if I skip a portion or I decide to go, well, I'm not really a big fan of that because it gets boring. If you follow the model, you should be okay with your business from the top up to top down. You should be okay with using a model to hire people. You should also be okay with using a model to run your business. And then each person's responsibility in that business, their job description it's pretty much like a model itself. If an outside or an outbound salesperson is supposed to be making phone calls first, and they decide they're not going to make phone calls first, they're going to go on a coffee break instead. Does anything get done? And it, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's an example that's kind of out there. Yet when you think about it, we choose to focus on things that we like doing mm-hmm. and we ignore the other things. And if you truly desire to have a business that works, models work and the disc is a model. Yeah. A, a financial spreadsheet, a performance, everything out there is a model. And then it comes down to, do you believe what you're reading? And then are you still okay not being judgmental with what may be there? Because let's go back to the hiring process. I love this person I'm going to hire. I love this person. And although there's three or four things that are blatantly saying, don't hire this person, Todd, I still go ahead and do it. I've had other people say, hey, you know what? Don't hire this person, Todd. And I go ahead and still do it. 
Now, not only does it impact me, and you said earlier, it impacts you and I, it also impacts the entire organization. If you have the wrong person, the wrong position, it doesn't matter if they're cleaning the floors to the top level management, and they don't have the exact idea of what they should be doing in their role, because either they haven't been told, or they refuse to go with what they were told to do when they get hired, it's in complete mess for the entire organization where this two-minute hire, this two-month hire, this six-month hire can take you back two, three, four, five years with that one bad hire. Yeah. Yeah, there's a cost. There's always a cost associated. Now, I think the, the next spot I wanted to, to touch on, because I think this is also especially uh, in today's world, uh, is burnout. And I think what we're talking about is is perfectly useful and helpful uh, in regards to burnout, because what we know is burnout is a real thing. Burnout happens, either has happened, is happening, or will happen to every single person that's hearing this. Uh, so we know it's something we need to understand more and know how, how to handle when it shows up. Uh, but one of the, the, the things I love about the DISC assessment and what we're talking about is that when I, I'm having or working with a client who is, is showing evidence of burnout, they, they likely don't even understand that's what it is. But they're, it's very clear to me as a coach that they're, they're in burnout mode, right? They're, they're just tired. They've lost enthusiasm about what they're doing. They're not passionate about what they're doing anymore. They're questioning everything in their world. Uh, it, those are all signs of burnout. There could be other things, but, but more, more of the times than not, those things are telling me little red flags saying, hey, let's ask questions here. And I've used these assessments in those times to help the person identify, and you just said it, what are you most passionate about? And at what point did you stop spending most of your time doing those things? And Todd, what we see almost every single time is I see this light bulb go on and they're like, well, well holy cow, I stopped doing all that stuff like 13 months ago because I thought the business needed me to do this stuff. And I said, yeah, now you hate your life. You hate what you do. You hate going to the office. No wonder your effectiveness has gone through the floor, right? And so then using the assessment, we identify that. Then we also identify then who do you need to hire to take on the stuff you aren't liking to do so you can get back in the areas of your strength and the things that give you energy. What are your thoughts there? Have you seen something like that or do you disagree there? Oh, I've personally experienced burnout. Have you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you think about when you burn out, it's usually a passion. And the passion can either be a great passion or not, not so great passion. Now, you can be passionate to make money, okay? I am going to be passionate about making money, and here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah, it goes back to, are you the pers person capable of doing whatever that portion is to make the money? If you're not a lead generator, and most businesses out there, if you think about it, most businesses survive a lead generation. Isn't it amazing? And it's also asking the appointment. There's a little company out there. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called Amazon. <laughs> yep. Amazon is a trillion dollar company with a T now. And Amazon was started in a garage like most of these small companies out there are. And at the time, it was one person running the whole show. Do you think Amazon would be there where they are right now if that one person chose to do everything themselves and I'm going to make more money for myself because I'm able to keep all of it? Do you think they'd even be close to where they are now? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. Yet also it goes back to the lead generation portion, okay? One thing about Jeff Bezos, he says, I'm not a big lead generation machine. Actually, he doesn't even enjoy it whatsoever. Yet, if you look at Amazon, Amazon on average does 3.8 touches per day to each consumer that's part of Amazon's network of products. 3.8 times a day. Now, we ask some people to do it twice a month or maybe three times a month. <laughs> and it's like, holy cow, three times a month. Jeff Bezos 
created a huge company with all these different divisions by understanding, number one, he couldn't do it alone. Number two, hiring and not always hiring the right people. Yet understanding through failure, you're going to find out, okay, that didn't work. Here's what I need now in place of this person that I thought I needed here. And also then number three, growing through lead generation and lead follow-up and understanding that he cannot do it all. Yeah, do you think he had some burnout in the beginning? Absolutely oh, yeah. he did. Do you think he really had these huge plans of going to a trillion-dollar company? I bet he was a $100 million company in his mind when he's in the garage. If you're not passionate about it, you're not going to do it. It becomes a hobby, which means you might as well go out and collect some stamps. It's probably going to be cheaper than actually attempting to run a business that's a hobby instead of a business itself. And when it comes down to burnout, we can all burn out. I mean, I've burned myself out on things that I shouldn't even be doing in the first place. And that's a self-discover of yourself. Usually it's, okay, I'm focusing all my energy on doing things that I like doing, not the things I must do. Yeah. I'd much rather create a postcard and never send it out. Okay, I mean, I'm going to have the best <laughs> gloss. I'm going to have the best fonts, the best pictures. Working on for a week and do that because it's much more comfortable. It's more fun. Yeah, do you think that, like, let's say Tiger Woods, you don't think he ever got, got burned out on putting 10 hours a day, mm. six days a week? And now the guy makes, what, six, seven, eight, nine figures a year by not even picking a golf club up. <laughs> yeah. Endorsements it's all alone. about yeah. It's all about what you're focused on. And more importantly, focusing on what's going to move your business forward. And yeah. that may not have you involved in doing a, B, C, D, you'll have someone fill in gap A, gap B, gap C, and you can be the D person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think I kind of wanted to touch on this too. I, I, you you were um, a very su successful national trainer. You were on the road. You taught in a lot of different cities. Uh, and it was production-based training, getting people uh, from where they are into a much higher level of production over the course of a period of time. Uh, and I just wanted to talk about general lessons that you saw, because I, here's what I know. I know that that you would go into a room and the, the content was very good. The, the content was solid. Um, but having the best content doesn't matter if you don't have an instructor that connects it with the people in the room. And so, so you, you found um, your niche and that one of your strengths was helping people make that connection. Uh, I just wanted to unpack a little bit uh, because, you know, right now in the world, there's lots of uncertainty. There's lots of change. And yet the thing that hasn't changed is that everyone listening to this needs to, to grow. They need to get results. They need to, to move their business or their organization forward. That's how they, they have their life, pay their bills, feed their family, all those things. So, so what was it? I'd just like for you to unpack a little bit. What did you learn in that process of, of coming into a place with people of all different walks of life and backgrounds and everything else, but who are all focused on growth? What was it that made the difference from the time they started with you to the end of the seven or eight weeks that they, they ended with you? Because we saw nationally production numbers shot through the roof for those people. So what was it that made the difference that took them from where they are to where they wanted to be? So two things had to change there. Number one, myself personally. My product was me in the room as well as the product that I was actually teaching and training on. I needed to know that product inside out. I needed to know everything about that product. That way I could focus on everything else going around on me. If you don't know exactly what your product's supposed to do or you don't know the product in general, it's tough to take the blinders off and look around you and see what else is going on. So I was able to really spend a lot of time really understanding the material. Like I said, backwards, forwards, upside down, 
you name it, I knew it. The second thing was having the right mindset in the rooms. So the first day people show up and it's, I love the first day because people show up and there's mindsets all over the place. It could be the extremely positive, the extremely negative. It could be, I'm not in it for anything. I'm in it for all. What was great about the entire thing was, was over a seven week period, I was able to watch a transformation of other people's lives. And the usually the ones that really had the biggest transformations were the ones that came out on day one going, I'm not going to do this in the first place. And then once you started seeing results, and this is another thing about life, we expect it right now. I mean, we're like right now we expect it. And if we do anything in terms of lead generation and someone tells us no, which is what a scary word. I mean, I thought my first name was no up until I was like five. <laughs> it was always no Todd, no Todd. Yet when you really look at the people and the mindset, when people embrace change and understanding that it's going to take some work and many of the things that you're going to be doing are boring, yet business should be boring. Mm -hmm. If you have a chaotic business where it's exciting, there's usually something going on wrong. And so it's the boredom, the repetition, where many people get tired of doing it and they decide to go change something else. My favorite part of the entire adventure I did for five years with that was literally watching people change, not just in business, Yet the stories I heard in those rooms, I mean, I heard some stories that would be a great Oprah Lifetime movie. I mean, there are some really, really impactful stories in there. And 99% of those didn't apply to business. It was personal life. And so if you understand that, okay, business has been a business. Personal life gets into business. Business will get into personal life. Yet if you don't have both those somewhat, you know, evened out there understanding that, Issues happen in one place and you bring it back the next place and it's going to impact what you do the next day and the next day and the next day and understand the mindset issue. It's going to help you a lot, a lot out yet. I can tell you everything to do. Okay, go do this, go do that, go do that, go do this. Yet that's all going to be more likely not even heard or any action taken upon unless people see the benefit and the reason why what's in it for me if I do this. So it's the emotional connection, changing the mindset, understanding that, People have different thoughts and opinions. Whatever they think is okay. You have your own perception. Whatever is okay. And being okay with being okay, understand that not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to say yes to you. What a great idea. That's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And when you have the mindset of understanding, you are going to fail over and over and over and over and over. And you may fail your way out of whatever you're doing. That's okay. You should have a model there, a system where you understand, okay, if I fail this so many times, I've got to change this. And it's usually an entire 180 with doing something the way I was doing differently now. Yeah. And then and and monitoring the, the results, seeing what changes, right? I think uh, what I watched as you were doing that too, over the course of those years and, and many like you, was that it was really, it started with helping them connect to why, to your point, why they wanted to do something. You know, it's been said that, that a big enough why will pull you through anyhow. Uh, and to your point, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they get bored in the process of growth. They get bored with doing what it is they do. And so um, they, they look for something else. They look for a shiny object or a silver bowl or a magic potion. And it was told to me a long time ago by a mentor that success is incredibly boring because it's simply the repetition of the fundamentals. You look at anyone who's incredibly successful, that process, especially as they became successful, 
got fairly boring for them. It was just doing the same thing over and over and over. But it's because they persevered in that that they realized the success that they have. And I think it's important for everyone listening to remember that, that when you get bored in doing those fundamentals and doing them day in and day out, it's okay to get that feeling. It's not okay to then look for the squirrel or the shiny object to distract you from that because th- that's fundamentals. Those things, those activities are what are getting you to the results that you said you wanted way back when. So really coming to, to terms with why you're doing it is essential. And one other thing, if you truly believe in it, don't listen to the naysayers saying it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. Because if you're not getting the results that you thought you should be getting at the time in your head and more likely they weren't realistic in the first place. And this one comes on where I'm going, it's not going to work. Why are you doing that? A prime example is there's a little company called Ring. <laughs> Apparently they make doorbells and, and cameras. Yet if, when Ring started off, he really, when I say he, the president of the company, founder of the company, worked his tail off to get people to buy and say yes. So about nine, 10 years ago, he wanted a show called Shark Tank. And he went in there and Mark Cuban and everyone else in there who's very tech savvy and really, really great business people told me he was crazy. And he did not get a deal. And if you watch that back, back episode there, you'll see that he is really hurting while he's presenting. Yeah, afterwards, he was okay with it. He said, you know what? Eventually, someone's going to say yes to it. And not only did he build that company up and prove them wrong, which is always fun, right? When you prove someone else wrong, that they're saying you can't do and you do it. He then sold it to Amazon for over yeah. a billion dollar company for a billion dollars plus royalties and residuals. <laughs> it worked out okay. Yeah. So if you're told no, that's okay. Keep going until you get a yes. Yet you only do that if you're passionate about the product and if it makes sense. I could be passionate about widgets, okay? I know enough about widgets. Yet, if I was passionate about widgets, I would need to know exactly every inside out working function of what a widget does. And then I have to understand, okay, now I know what it does. What's it going to do for other people? Will it solve a problem? Because in business, it doesn't matter if you're selling pizzas and real estate, financial, whatever it is, everyone in business is solving a problem. I'm hungry. I'm going to pizza. My taxes are due. I'm going to tax preparer. Everything's there for a reason to solve a problem. So if you're in business or more likely a hobby, if you do not solve a problem, you must really look at your business and go, okay, what problem can I solve and who can I help? Yeah, I love that. And, and one, of the, one of the things I want to make sure we touch on here too, it ties right in with that. Uh, you have a podcast with a couple of our mutual friends and it's called Gain the Passion. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful from the standpoint that you interview entrepreneurs from every different walk of life that's imaginable. I mean, it's like literally people from every industry, uh, every age demographic, every success level and failure level. Like, let's talk about that podcast because I think it ties in beautifully what we're talking about. Tell the listeners, why should they go over and check out Gain the Passion? Well, Gain the Passion is a great podcast, Ben. You were uh, a part of it for a very short time. (laughs) Ben actually, I believe, was our second guest ever. And what a way to kick that off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when you look at Game the Passion, what we discovered is that everyone in business has a story. And the story usually involves some sort of passion about why they're doing it and all the failures through it. And as you said, we've had, it's it's crazy to think of the people that we've had on this podcast. And I believe we had 52 left to record this month where we have people, or this month, man, that'd be really rough, this year, where we have 52 people that are already committed to be on the podcast. And we've discovered from listening to every business out there, 
from the point where we had a gentleman named Doug Null, where his entire passion in life was doing everything except what he's doing now. And he somehow realized that prisoners need help too. And he started this entire program helping prisoners in Southern California become leaders in prison. Now, these are lifers. These are serial killers. These are people that are never, ever going to leave. Yet they've also discovered with him doing these programs in the prison system that it's changing the culture of the prison itself and the issues that they had, the fights, the disagreements are going away. So, I mean, that's just one story. We've had so many people on there that tell stories. And the best thing about it, it's the relationships that we've also connected with that. So with my uh, business partners in the podcast, Kelly Scar, which is our great Canadian friend up there in Canada. <laughs> a. A. And then Alyssa Stanley, who is a health coach, and she has also had her own personal struggles in life. She lives out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, literally out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, I believe. We've never met each other physically ever. Yet we feel like we know each other because we're on this podcast. So if you're looking for a podcast that has people, more than likely you've heard before on a podcast before, okay? I don't think we've had anyone that goes, you're my first podcast I've ever done. The difference, <laughs> though, is this. It works because we have three of us, which I never thought would work ever. Yeah, Alyssa is the one that brings emotion in, right? She's the uh, the family, the relationships, the loving feeling. So it's a perfect fit for her. Kelly's like the mind. He is such a brain. He thinks so deep in the questions he asks. Many times I have to look up the words in the dictionary to figure out what he's saying. <laughs> and then I come in where I, and, and we let our guests know this. And if you've listened to the podcast, you understand. I'm the guy that takes off track quickly. And so we never have an agenda. And what's great is these discussions that we have with the three of us, we get to things that people never, ever talked about before in their life, let alone on a podcast or audio or visually. So if you're looking for some really great stories and their conversations, we don't interview their conversations and you want to have a laugh, make sure you check out the game, the passion podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcast writer. I love it. I love it. And it is, it's uh, it's wonderful. There's always nuggets to take away. I want to encourage everyone to check that out. So Todd, as we're, we're wrapping up here, um, what would your, your final thoughts be for the people listening here? We've talked about, obviously, hiring, strengths and weaknesses. We've talked about uh, behavioral assessments and using all of that to tie into helping uh, avoid burnout and grow organizations. What do you want to leave our listeners with today? I'd like to leave with six words. And those six words are, get out of your own way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're our own biggest enemies oftentimes. I, I think that's awesome, Todd. So uh, how does everyone connect with you on social media? Which platform are you most active on and how do they find you? Well, that's a good question. Uh, social media, you'll find me at Todd A. Foster. There's a lot of Todd Fosters, yet Todd A. Foster. I've had the same profile picture for many, many years. It's my son and I, and he's the receiving end of a kiss on his cheek for me, which he loves. He's now 22 years old. <laughs> You also find me at toddyfoster.com, gainthepassion.com, gaintheleverage.com, and gainthecourage.com. Just a few gains. All right, Todd. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Uh, I know I got a lot of notes here, and I'm sure everyone listening did as well. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I love those last words that he left us with. Get out of your own way. 
Man, that just that sums up a lot of what we what we talked about, right? There's so many pitfalls and areas for us to fall down and stub our toe and make a mistake as entrepreneurs. It's also one of the things that makes the journey worth it. It makes it amazing and it allows us to grow. We covered a lot on today's show. We went from assessments and hiring to leadership versus management. And ultimately, it all comes back together with avoiding burnout and growing your organization, growing your business. I took a lot of notes. I trust you did as well. Please make sure to head over to Instagram. Follow me at Ben Fairfield. Send me a private message. Let me know what you thought about this and all of our most recent episodes. And also be sure to apply to be a guest on a future success line. If you're interested in receiving free coaching on a future episode, go to success.com slash success line guest. This has been a success podcast. Head over to success.com slash podcasts to hear more just like it.